Here at Kajabi, we are known for one thing, helping everyday people like you build successful businesses online. With our simple all-in-one platform, we've paved the way for over 100,000 people to create 300,000 products and collectively earn over $3.9 billion in revenue. And we've created the Kajabi Edge podcast to inspire, educate, and empower you to do the same. So unlike other podcasts that highlight the glory stories of today's most successful entrepreneurs, we're bringing you the real stories from real people who have created real success to give you the online business edge you need to succeed in today's digital marketplace. So if you're someone who's looking to start an online business, allow us to be the first to welcome you home to the Kajabi family. everyone and welcome to the Kajabi Edge podcast where we talk to real entrepreneurs to give you the online business edge you need to succeed on Kajabi. I'm your host Jared Lohman, Vice President of Customer Experience and today we're joined by Cassie Ho, founder of Blogilates and founder and CEO of PopFlex. How's it going today Cassie? Good. Excited to be on, Jared. I am incredibly excited to have you on. Um, this is uh, once again, like I, I love we have a lot of firsts on the show because I still feel like we're early, even though this is we're we're almost approaching our two year mark. But this is this is a special show because we're leading into an upcoming event, South by Southwest, where you're going to be joining us on stage to talk a little bit more about your journey. And so I'm excited to give our listeners almost like an early peak of your story. So why don't we just get the ball rolling and uh, let's just start off by giving your, your elevator pitch of who you are and what you do. Oh my gosh. When I saw that you're going to ask me about my elevator pitch, <laughs> that was the one question I was like, I'm not prepared for that because it's so hard for me to even <laughs> describe what my job title is because it's so many things. Sure. Um, I guess... We could say, you could say that I am a fashion and fitness entrepreneur. I started off in the YouTube world, a Pilates instructor, um, across all platforms. I have over like 14 or 15 million followers, um, 2 billion views, and essentially got my career started by offering free home workout videos for people. But that really wasn't my goal. Like I I had a whole nother thing that I wanted to do. I always wanted to be a fashion designer. But anyway, I started teaching workouts, built a community. And then because of that, I was able to get back to my original passion of doing fashion because now my audience was asking for clothes for yoga mats. And so I began to dress my audience and it's just been such a beautiful journey how social media led me back to my original passion. And I just feel so grateful every day because, um, now I'm a full-time fashion designer and entrepreneur creating activewear, making yoga mats, gym bags. We have our stuff in Target under the brand Blogilates and then PopFlex is the D2C brand. So it's just so fun every day um, just seeing both brands grow. Well, what an elevator pitch. Uh, it included <laughs> uh, millions upon millions of followers. That is absolutely crazy. I can't wait for us to just dig in and understand some of that journey to getting there. Um, and usually where we start out is quite logical the beginning. So I'd love to just take it back to when you first started your YouTube channel. What led you to uh, ultimately start that channel and and move your way into this this field of online social networking? What was the the impetus? So 
I had a side job while in college. I was teaching Pilates and my format of Pilates, which was pop Pilates, which is Pilates to pop music. And nobody was teaching that format at the time. Pilates was done to no music or just classical music. Very, very slow. So I was teaching a 24 hour fitness and I was graduating. And at the time, um, I got a job offer in Boston. And so I knew I had to move cross country and that no one's going to be teaching this format anymore. And so all of my students were like, Cassie, who's going to teach pop Pilates? Like, oh, what's going to happen to us? And so I decided to record a little 10 minute workout. And then I put it up on this website called YouTube in 2009, right after I graduated and before I left. And it was only for 40 people at the gym. That's it. And then after I uploaded it, I never really looked at it again until I did a few months later. And there were thousands of views and hundreds of comments asking for more. They were like, Oh, could you do a butt version an arm version? And essentially that is what started Blogilates. Wow. What better social proof than coming back to finding an audience that is ready, willing, asking for more, looking into this. Um, I'm interested, just give it I'm 2009. I know it's not that long ago, but it kind of is. Uh, it is. Now in 2022. Yeah. So can you share a little bit about uh, what in general has changed since you first launched uh, way back there in 2009 uh, in terms of being a creator on YouTube? Oh my gosh. So much has changed. Like in 2009, the landscape was like being an influencer wasn't a thing. Making money via brand deals wasn't a thing. AdSense wasn't even a thing. Back in 2009, people put up videos on YouTube because they simply wanted to share their experiences, their funny moments, their content with other people. That was it. There, it wasn't about getting famous or becoming a YouTuber. Um, and then, you know, fast forward till now, 2023, the landscape is so different. And in many ways, I honestly think, um, a lot less genuine to be completely honest, because people want to become creators or become influencers because they're chasing the fame. They're chasing the attention. They're being, they're letting their self-worth be driven by these numbers. And it makes me sad to think about that because a lot of the original original creators who started in 09, they were there to connect. And that's why I was there. I just wanted to teach Pop Pilates and that was it. And I do believe that is why Blogilates has been around for what, 14 years now. It didn't just blow up and fizzle and die. And you see that happening a lot. Young creators you know, skyrocketing and then not being able to handle all of it and then becoming very sad when it's all gone too. And so I think the landscape um, is different. It's a lot more competitive, but it's also fantastic for entrepreneurs because you don't have to rely on traditional media, um, traditional advertising to get your brand out there. You can really start connecting with people just by turning on your phone and making a TikTok video, a YouTube short, an IG reel or whatever. Um, I think that's amazing. But yeah, there's just so much to talk about in how the space has evolved. Sure. Yeah. And I love how it's become so accessible, something that anyone can do with as little equipment as a cell phone. Um, really, that's it. And they're they're able to to start that process. But uh, one interesting thing, or of course, the thing that we, we like to find out is when this actually converts from someone uploading a business to monetizing, making some money. Um, so uh, I'm interested, what was your experience like when you first started actually earning income on YouTube? Uh, was that strategic? Um, uh, did you, did you actually have a plan to get some sustainable income in place? Uh, and if so, 
So what was that plan like? I don't know if it was really like a plan because I always like, I always had like had a job on the side or something because it was never like go full in on YouTube. There was always something going on in the background, whether it was me selling stuff or, you know, my first and last corporate job or just teaching a a lot of Pilates on the side just to make ends meet. I remember in the beginning, I was beginning to see some bloggers and YouTubers like have these brand deals. And I just like, didn't even know how that was even possible. Didn't have an agent, a manager, like nothing. And I remember one of my blogger friends said, don't worry about it. You don't need to reach out. Just keep building your audience and they will come. And so that is exactly what happened. Um, so I don't know if I would call that a strategy, Really, it was focus on your audience, serve them, put out great content that you feel passionate about, and then everything is just sort of comes at you. And anytime I would feel not as passionate about a video or something that I put up, you can directly tell that the fans can tell too. And it just affects the entire ecosystem. Um, but for me, monetization, like, yes, AdSense brand deals and everything are part of the revenue stream. But these days it makes up literally less than 1% of my entire revenue because product is the main thing. Yeah. Was that always the case for you or uh, did it, did it start out primarily on, on social? Um, it started out probably more split because I was always designing yoga bags or uh, gym bags or yoga mats. Um, and brand deals were there and they would increase, but as they increased, I also became more unhappy. So I didn't enjoy them because I'm the type of person who (laughs) I, I do like a good homework assignment. Okay. I'm a great student, but oftentimes with brand deals that I don't know, you're paired up with a company that just doesn't really understand or trust your direction. You follow the bullet points in the brief, but then you turn in the thing, which knocks off every single bullet point. And then they just want to make a change because they just don't like it. And it's like, wait, but I followed all the directions. So it constantly just felt like people telling me what I can or cannot do with my own content when I'm already telling them, Hey, if this is the message you want to get across, like, trust me, let me say it in this way. And so I became just like, so unhappy doing those brand deals. So it was all, it has been my goal over the past, especially the past couple of years to just fizzle out of brand deals and just focus on talking about my own brand, which honestly has served as my viral content too. So I feel like I'm in a very special place right now where I get to live my dream design, but also talk about it. And somehow that's entertaining to people. And then it sells out products in a matter of hours or days. Like it's, it's kind of insane. Yes. I love that. I love that. Well, let's talk about, I I, I guess this can be sometimes considered the greatest friend or greatest foe when you're working working with social media. Um, Let's talk about the algorithm. How have those algorithms uh, actually directed or affected your potential to earn income uh, over those platforms? So specifically, when I started making design videos, which was like maybe a year and a half ago, the way the TikTok algorithm or the YouTube algorithm, not so much the Instagram algorithm because they're pretty consistent, feels that day can truly just determine the destiny of that product and how fast it's going to sell out. And so, for example, we had one legging video go like, I think 25 million, maybe 27 million views, like just skyrocket like crazy, literally sold out the thing in a couple hours. It was absolute insanity. I think it drove 500,000 clicks to the website, which is insane. And then sometimes 
something will go viral on one platform and won't on the other. And it's the same video. I actually post the same video to all platforms, meaning IG, TikTok, Facebook, um, YouTube shorts. And it's interesting to see how it performs. And, it, and I don't think it's really because, oh, my audience is different on each one. No, I think it's because, for example, TikTok has this really high chance of virality because they're able to serve it to like a lookalike audience. So that's sometimes interesting. But then if, if maybe like I said something that wasn't like, they weren't quite favoring that day, then it like demotes the video. Um, so yeah, anyway, it's, it, the algorithm plays a big role in how the videos do and therefore plays a big role in sales. However, if you continue to focus on a great product, which is what I do every single day, what my team does every single day, once you do capture that audience and make that first sale and they trust your product, then you just keep going. You know, you don't, the the viral videos are nice, but my business doesn't depend on the viral videos. My business, my business depends on quality product. Yeah. Well, let's talk about, uh, obviously, ever-changing algorithms, ever-changing landscape and environment. I'd love to get an understanding of, uh, has the way you use social media changed a lot since you started, again, back in 2009? Uh, what's what's changed in terms of how you actually utilize social media? Yeah, so in 2009, it was YouTube as a form of uploading video. That was the only thing. And it was horizontal video. Facebook was where you like you created a community. Um, it was a nice place back then. <laughs> and that was kind of it. And then throughout the years, we've had all of these different social media platforms come in. It's been absolutely completely tiring, but you have to be able to stay relevant by being able to adapt to the new platforms. You just have to figure out how to speak to your audience on each one, how to create content on each one. Um, you have to keep playing the game. That's what it is. But, you know, social media can be a friend or a foe. And it's not, well, actually, it's not even that. Social media at the end of the day is a tool. And so it really depends on who's watching you um, on that tool. But for the most part, I think it's a very positive thing because it just breaks down barriers and um, there's no one gatekeeping you from your success. You can really just keep testing and testing and testing until you find a piece of content that works. And then you just keep trying to do that and do it better every single time. You just can't give up. You got to keep trying. I'm interested how much uh, your, uh, so your strategy uh, involves you posting the same content across multiple social media channels. Now on that note, you just mentioned uh, the fact that sometimes a video will perform, will go viral on one channel and not in another channel. How do you, how do you reconcile that in terms of your testing and iterating? Uh, do you, do you find that you're able to acquire those learnings, uh, uh, based upon the, just the different dynamics across the social platforms? Well, I mean, these days I create one design video, which for me takes nine hours to make one 60 second video takes me nine hours to write, film, edit, voiceover, all of that. And I create one piece of content for all four platforms. And that's what I do. So I am not cutting things differently for different platforms. I would say that like back in the day when I was doing fitness stuff, YouTube would be my long form follow along, you know, 10, 20, 30 minute workout videos. That's where people go to actually do a workout. But then I would film something completely different for TikTok, like five moves for toned arms. So that in that sense, you can really understand how you need to be able to create content per platform. But amazingly right now, my design videos are performing well on each one for the most part. 
Um, so I only have to create one video for all platforms. Very interesting. Well, uh, I'd like, I'd like to talk a little bit about, uh, just this, the space as a whole. One thing on this show that undoubtedly we see across interview after interview is, uh, that people, I think the smart ones that we interview here, um, realize that social media is more of an audience building, a traffic source. And obviously this sounds to be the case for you. Um, at Kajabi, we believe this is also true to the, to the larger landscape, um, that that social world is actually used to to build your audience and not just a way not a way to directly monetize. So I'm interested on your opinion on this trend, uh, and if you have any thoughts, any insights that you could share on that trend. On the trend of building your audience, not just selling at them all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. not yeah, selling directly absolutely. over social. Oh yeah, I mean, hundred percent. You want to be able to give something to your audience. You have to create value, whether that is in education, entertainment, shareability. You're not going to grow an audience if you're just going to try to extract money from them, like 100%. And so whatever it is, for those of you guys listening here today, like what is that thing that you can share with people that they're going to take home and remember you for? Like just keep trying to help your audience. And then when you are ready to launch that product or whatever, they're going to remember those times that you helped them. And they're going to want to become part of your journey as you launch that product. And for me, like, even though this wasn't my strategy, like I never wrote this down in some master plan, but like that, that's actually what ended up happening. Free YouTube videos over a course of like a decade. And meanwhile, designing product fans, seeing the journey of the product and then wanting to become a part of it. And then me also including them in the design process really made this whole thing very much community and so feedback based so that everyone just felt really included. So I really don't believe at selling at people. That is the number one way to turn people off. Don't do it. You have to provide value and let them make the decision whether or not they want to, you know, open their wallet and like buy the thing because they think that thing is going to help make their life better. You don't want to sell at people. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. I love how, how you, it sounds like realized that very early on, even in the earlier stages of like when you were just working with brand deals, how that, I, I can't remember the exact percentage that you brought up, but it sounds like it's a very small portion of your overall business income or business. Uh, um, can't think of the word. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, the but, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yes, these days yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These days it's less than 1%. And I really want to just bring it down to, even zero unless the right partners come by. But yeah, in the beginning it was fun and exciting because it was new, but then you end up finding yourself a slave to these rules and then a slave to certain words that you have to use that don't even sound human because the legal team just needs you to say these five words in that exact order. And it's weird. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't enjoy brand deals, but when you do have the right partner, it can be so beautiful and so seamless. Well, I think that segues really well uh, into uh, you are pretty well known for your design videos uh, for pop flex on social media. Uh, So can you tell us a little bit about how you leverage that audience uh, for pop flex and your product line in target? Yeah. I mean, I, show my audience exactly how I came up with something. And so if I am showing off this cool sweater, I'm not just me like, Ooh, cool sweater, go buy it (laughs) again. We're not selling out the audience. 
I show them the original sketch. I show them why I put this pleat two inches down from the shoulder. I show them why I added a pocket and why you can't find it out there. And the thing is, I don't just design to design for fun. I design to solve problems. I design because I, I personally, as a, a consumer, can't find the thing out there. And so I do it. And so I think a lot of women find that super relatable. Um, me just having the same problems that they have because I am my own consumer. So I know exactly what my audience wants. Um, so I think it's interesting for them. And then what's also really fun for both of us too, is say something isn't for them. They'll comment down below and be like, Hey, I would love this, but maybe I want it a little longer. I want it in more sizes or in this color. And then I go to product development. We make the thing happen. And then they can see several months later, Hey, Cassie and their team really listened. And that really builds trust between me, between PopFlex and the audience. And we're not just treating them like customers. We're treating them like co-designers. And so I think it's just a really fun journey for everybody. I love that. I love that. So do you have any tips for our listeners for uh, funneling some of that traffic that you're generating on social media over to your website or any other areas that you are directly selling from? Yeah. So I mean, whenever I am talking about a product, I always make sure to link it on my Instagram, for example. Um, So you can like tag your product. And then once the video or the photo goes up, then it can click on the shop. Now you click on that. It takes you to an Instagram page, but I don't sell directly on Instagram. Cause I just feel like as a consumer, I've just never felt safe buying directly off of social media app. So then it links you over to the website. So that's one way I always do IG stories, which shows a little bit more BTS than link there. And then we also have well, obviously link in bio. I use like this link pop thing where you can like change the links in there. But then I also have the pop flex active Instagram, um, TikTok. And so we have content creators on those pages making more videos about the product as well. So you can now see, for example, a sports bra that you already saw on me, but now I can see it on women of all different shapes and sizes. And so I think it's really important for the representation to be shown um, because clothes fit people so differently and a consumer feels really I mean, when you're shopping online, you don't know what you're gonna get sometimes. But when you see a model that looks like you, you can kind of gauge like whether this is going to work or not. And so we really try to do that as much as possible. Um, but yeah, our content is what funnels towards the website. And then if something is sold out, then people can join a wait list. And then later they'll get a notification that it came back. And those are actually extremely helpful. So I don't have to put another video out to remind people because we know they already want it. And then our newsletter drives a ton of sales as well. I love it. Well, I, I do want to get into, we always we always come to this point where uh, I'm very interested uh, how you ultimately ended up on Kajabi. And in particular, I'm interested what led you to create your Pop Pilates certification courses on Kajabi. Okay, so I forget what year this was. Maybe it was like I don't know, 2015, 16, something like that. But I was so desperately looking for a website that could host my instructor certification program. So at the top of this podcast, I talked about um, teaching pop Pilates at 24 hour fitness. So then forward several years um, from that moment, later on pop Pilates becomes the official Pilates of all 24 hour fitnesses in the United States. So I was looking for an online software of some sort, some portal to house all of my instructors and to share the choreography and things like that. And I couldn't find anything. Then I was listening to Shalene Johnson's podcast. She's just casually talking about something. She's like, Oh, like something, something, Kajabi. And then I was like, wait, what? And I like rewound it. And then she talked about like a core, having her course on there. And I was like, 
wait, wait, wait. And so I went, I looked at Kajabi and got a great deal. And I think we're actually still grandfathered in, which is fantastic. But that's how I found Kajabi a really long time ago. And it really was the only website that would allow me to do what I needed to do um, on the scale that I needed to do it. So I'm always thankful for that. I love it. I love it. Well, for someone like me that maybe is not in your target demographic, uh, can you just tell us a little bit more about uh, the community that you've created with Pop Pilates and uh, my favorite, given that uh, I oversee our customer team here at Kajabi, any uh, customer story that stands out for you? Ooh, okay. So with Pop Pilates, the everything really started with the YouTube community, right? Because I'm teaching Pilates on YouTube. We have a lot of mostly women doing women and girls doing pop Pilates at home. And then you have a tiny subset of them who want to take it to the next level. They want to become an instructor. And like, for me, like I started doing Pilates in my bedroom. And then one day was like, I want to be an instructor. And it really changed my life. Like it actually did. But like, even just like on the personal human level, it changed my confidence, my relationship with my body, um, my relationship with physical fitness. I just really was a lot happier having found Pilates. Um, and so a lot of the women in this program trying to become an instructor are also on that same path. And I feel like everyone is just so they're just wanting to spread joy through fitness. That that's what it is at the end of the day. And it's people from all over the world, um, in this portal. And in terms of cool stories, we've actually have some of our full-time employees from the pop Pilates portal, like people who have been around from the very beginning, like maybe even since 2009 from the YouTube community, then went to get certified to become a pop instructor and now are working with like the official organization, um, for example, in influencer gifting or as a content editor and producer. And so it's just been a really great place to meet like-minded people. Um, and I'm just grateful that I get to work with them more and more. I love that. I love that. I think that that happens with a lot of, a lot of startups. I know that happened for Kajabi. Some of our employees are actually customers originally. So really Mm -hmm. cool to see that that journey just kind of commence from one state to another. As we were talking about earlier, uh, you know the brand deals. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of people, I think, out there think that the only way to make money on social media is through things like brand and affiliate deals. So, wondering where would you tell any listeners? Uh, where would you suggest that they start in terms of diversifying diversifying their online income streams? So the let's try to list them out. So we do have the brand deals. We have the. AdSense that literally comes from the views. You won't make that much on TikTok, but you will on YouTube. (laughs) Very, very different. Um, IG, you just don't make anything. Uh, There's that. And then there's creating merchandise or product. Um, There's creating a service or a course like on Kajabi. And at the end of the day, I think you have to kind of ask yourself, what value are you providing And like, what are people willing to pay for? Because like, yes, there's making free content, like cool, but you can't give away everything for free. Otherwise you'll just become extremely burnt out and very tired. And it doesn't make sense. Plus the really weird thing is that consumer behavior has proven that when somebody buys something, they're more likely to follow through with it than if it is for free. And trust me, like I've sold so many fitness programs and meal plans and like, yes, everybody loves a free something, but the rate of people following that when it's free versus paid is like night and day. 
it's very interesting because you, you have to get the commitment. Um, so anyway, I think it's important to identify what your value is and then package it up into something, whether that's a service, a product, um, even a piece of content and like, just go really hard. And then when you're talking about the thing that you're selling, you don't talk about, you don't talk about by this, you talk about why this helped improve your life. And I think making that connection with how the thing that you created affected your personal life is the strongest thing that you can do. I would like, for example, I would never, even with a brand deal, I would never talk about a product if I had never personally used it myself. It is very important for me to stay authentic with my audience because I am not ever going to do anything to break that trust. It took me too long to build this trust and I would never do that. And so like, even when you are talking about your own product, you better have used it too, so that you can really talk to it in you know, be your, for example, if it's a fitness program, be your own before and after story. It's going to sell way better if you do that than if you're using someone else's before and after, for example. But yeah, I think you just need to keep that connection to your product super authentic. And like, look, if there's something not quite right or a little imperfect, talk about it. If you screw up a little bit, talk about it. Never hide anything. Um, I think customers really appreciate transparency and just people being humans. No one's perfect and no one's a robot. That's okay. That makes me all the more honored to be having this conversation with you and and ask the question. Uh, and of course, we know, and if you've heard in any of our other episodes, like we talk a little bit about the ups and downs of Kajabi. You know, we know it's not the perfect solution for everyone. Uh, but I'm really interested from your perspective, what role has Kajabi played in helping you own your destiny as a creator? I think for the portion of the pop Pilates instructor group, like that is the biggest role Kajabi has played in helping me foster this very vibrant community of instructors who, like I said before, want to spread joy through fitness. And I'm just glad that we can do that virtually. Like we used to have to travel around my master trainers and teach small groups at a time, which was, it was fun and everything, but it was hard. I mean, it was like, lots of travel, plane rides, hotels, and like all this kind of stuff. But now people can learn in the comfort of their own home, um, do it at a pace that makes sense for them, and then get evaluated through video. And so it's just a lot more efficient. So I think that has been great. I love it. Well, let's just talk about the the creator landscape as a whole. Uh, what's some of the what's, what's the biggest mistake that you see creators making uh, in our current environment today? Hmm. The biggest mistake that I see creators making today. Actually, I, a lot, I see a lot, but like the main one I see is that sometimes you see a creator who like, I don't even need to say blow up, but like gains a lot of traction, gains a lot of audience, like just being them and being really cool and funny. And you just think it's like cool and weird and you love it. And then all of a sudden they start getting these brand deals and then things just start feeling very forced. And like, you can tell that like, look, they, they need a paycheck, right? They need, they need to pay the bills. But at the same time, they're also ruining that trust. And I've seen it degrade the brands of certain creators. And then I've also seen interesting things that I'm curious to see how this is going to play out. But for example, there's a rise in following like normal people, like for example, a teacher, like I'm an influencer, but I'm a teacher. I'm going to show you like things in my classroom. And then they become so successful that they no longer have to be a teacher, but their entire rise to fame was based on being a normal teacher. And so I'm very, I'm very curious to see how that plays out because if you built your entire, entire identity on that, what are you then? 
if you're not that. Now, I'm not saying that you can't evolve because you can't. I evolved. I went from being a Pilates instructor to then being a fashion designer, even though I was always designing this whole time. But I mean, content wise, a complete evolution. And luckily the fans are here for it. They love it. But they also like the ones who know me know that I've always been doing this. So it didn't just like come out of nowhere. So I think it's an interesting time and place, um, to just kind of see people's journeys and how they attack it. And I think different people will handle this differently, obviously. And we'll just kind of see what happens. On a similar vein, uh, what's something uh, or one thing that you don't see creators doing enough of? Ooh, what I don't see creators doing enough of? So uh, here's what people tell me all the time. Everybody tells me, oh my gosh, everyone wants what you have. They want to be able to have a product line that, that, they don't have to be talking about other brands all the time. But here's the thing. I think you have to, you have to want that. You have to want to run a product business. Like that's what, like for me, 95% of my day is spent in design, in development, talking about problems in the supply chain. Like that's what I do, but like, I love it. This is what I live for. And like, if you want that, then you should also want this life too. So it's easy to say, you know, what your dreams are, but are you willing to work for it? And there's nothing wrong with not, not wanting to, you could hire a CEO or, you know, hire people to do it, but you've also got to have that vision because without the right vision and leadership, things are going to flail. And then once you run out of money, things are going to die. So I would just suggest that I think it's amazing for every creator who's built an audience to have some type of product or service. I think that is definitely where people should try to go but you really just need to believe in your product. You need to live your product because if you don't, it's going to be really hard to sell. That's the perfect segue uh, into kind of the next question on my mind is, is what's a piece of advice you have for someone maybe new on this journey, a new creator who wants to get started with their digital products? I think it goes back to what I said earlier about like figuring out what is it that, what is the value that you provide to your audience, to the world, and then just figuring out a way to package it up and make it something that people can purchase to help improve their lives or whatever it is. I don't know what it is, but I think you have to be very strong in what that is. And if you're, if you're not sure, which that's fine, then you can actually just test out what that like thing is through free content and just kind of see what's going to stick. So if like one video on like, I don't know, five ways to be more productive is doing better than five ways to get toned arms and like, okay, maybe we adjust the content to productivity content. And then maybe that ends up with you creating a productivity course. So I think it's about just feeling out your audience. But I do want to say you have to be very careful about not letting the audience guide you in a direction that you don't feel comfortable going in. Because sometimes if you follow the numbers too much and you follow the comments too much, you end up losing yourself. And that happened to me too. You lose your backbone, you lose your purpose. You don't know what you stand for. And then you're going to become very unhappy. And this is why creators get burnt out. It's because they no longer are living for them anymore. They're living for somebody else. So just be wary of that. But yeah, pay attention to all the signals, the signals that your heart is saying, you know, the signals that the numbers are giving you. But in the end, you have to be creating the content that makes you happy or else this is not going to last. Well, I think we've heard it from uh, someone who's obviously the best of the best in her space. Uh, one thing, like one takeaway for me is undoubtedly I am like 
all the more excited about uh, the conversation that it will happen um, just in, I want to say, a few short weeks, uh, at least from today at SXSW. Um, Yeah, excited for that. Me too. Well, uh, always, you know, towards the end of the show, I love to point, I'm sure our listeners already know all about you, um, but I have to ask you to, just as a plug for where you would like to send them, where's the best place for them to find you on your social, your website, where should we send them? So you can find me at Blogilates on everywhere. So that's just blog and then Ilates. Um, and the Blogilates.com is my blog. So yeah, I was lucky to start early enough to make sure that all my screen names actually match up. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, that is going to do it for us today. Thank you so much, Cassie, for joining us. Really appreciate you jumping out and spending some time uh, with us today ahead of the SXSW Southwest, uh, South by Southwest. I uh, appreciate you yeah. jumping out. Oh my gosh, it'll be my first time. I can't time, say so it. I'm very excited. It, you know, it's a hard S, you know, South by. We'll call it South by. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tongue twister. <laughs> well, with that said, uh, thank you again again thank you all so much for listening would really appreciate it if you took some took a moment to leave us a review if you can so that we can of course spread these stories of inspiration to more and more people thank you all again and we'll see you all next week on the kajabi edge podcast <laughs>